Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined as ever by Tom. Hello. And that's it again. It's just the two of us for a second week in a row. Just a little uh, little two-man fireside chat. Stew. Stew's on holiday again. Stew. More holiday than F1 races in a season, that man. All oh, right. As long as he's here for um, Australia this year. Oh yeah, that was the one that he missed last year, wasn't it? When we gave him me too, to be fair. But oh yeah, it was, ju- it was, it was just me. I had to draft somebody yeah. in. <laughs> I hope we're all here for Australia this year. Hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're we're into testing. The first test is all over now, and the second test will actually probably have started by the time you listen to this. But to start with, I think we'll just go over the last few of the car launches that we didn't cover last time, because the last episode kind of dropped in the middle of launch season. We've actually done like a full uh, sort of ranking and thoughts on them all, which will be on the website by the time you listen to this. So if you want to see our exact uh, sort of ranking and thoughts on all the new cars, that'll be on backofthegrid.com. But I guess we'll just quickly run through them. Um, So the next one after we last spoke was the Renault which we all thought looked a lot like last year's car, and that's because it turned out it was. Um, They just essentially put the new livery on last year's car, uh, so we didn't see the new car until the shakedown. A much improved livery, though. It looks fantastic, yeah. it's um, Considering they've actually added more black to the car, which you would think would make it look a bit more boring, it actually looks even better this time. Um, Yeah, really big fan of the Renault. Uh, it does look like the Aerocat has gone, which is a tragedy, because everyone loved Aerocat. Yeah, Aerocat was awesome. But, um, yeah, I, I guess aerodynamics comes before looks with barge <laughs> boards. Um, the next was the Sauber Alfa Romeo, which was is an interesting one. I, I wasn't a massive fan of it to begin with. The more I've seen it, the more I like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little plain and maybe understated. Um, when I first saw it. However, the more I watched it go around on track, um, the more I did like it. This is the thing. A lot of... You always see these flashy studio shots of these cars, but until you actually see them on track, it's hard to really kind of form a proper opinion on them. And that sour does look really nice when it's out on track, at least. Yeah, the only drawback, I think, is if you look at a Sauber and a Williams head-on, they're almost identical. Yeah, which is a strange choice. The Sauber's got like these dark lines up each side, which, from a distance, especially if you're there in person, I imagine, and they're coming towards you, um, it's going to look very much like the Williams Martini branding. I look forward to the commentators getting that wrong throughout <laughs> the year. Um, then we had Mercedes and Ferrari on the same day. Um, Mercedes, as usual, had their fancy launch event with flashing lights and a tunnel to cars drive down and everything, overshadowed by the fact that they'd already been running the car around Silverstone an hour before, yep. so we all already knew what it looked like, which seems to be what they do every year now. And a live stream that 99% of the comments were, can someone turn the lights on, please? <laughs> because it was just so yeah. dark, which it was intentional. Been a lot of very, but you know, people just don't yeah, a lot care, of very dimly lit launches. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, Ferrari. I mean, it's a Ferrari. It's red. Um, it's a nice... It's a bit more red. Yeah, it's a nice Ferrari, though, still. It's... The thing with the Ferrari is, as much as it's what you expect, because it's Scuderia Rosso, it's still just a red car. But it's still a nice-looking yeah. car. It is. It looks good. I'm, I'm surprised they're the only team to put their badge on the kind of apex point of the halo as well. I thought more teams were going to do that. But... Yeah, not many of A had, lot of the teams have actually just left the halos black. They've not had many sponsors of... either, have, have they, on them? No. I'm sure they will turn up as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, speaking of sponsors, uh, McLaren were next, which has a conspicuous lack of sponsors. Um, but it is also a stunning-looking car. Yeah. We actually got a little glimpse of it ahead of time when... They were unloading it from an airplane and a breeze sort of blew the sheet so everybody yeah. saw the side of the orange car, which was a shame. Um, yeah, but it is a, such a good-looking car. I don't think anyone expected that all that kind of electric blue on there, but it somehow really works. Yeah. Um, Although it's been compared did kind of say quite a lot to Iron Brew. It is very Iron Brew-looking, yeah, which maybe that should have a word with them because it, like McLaren have been struggling for sponsors for a few years now but now it's a bright orange car rather than a sort of mostly silver or grey car it just really shows off how much empty space there is like the engine cover is just almost completely empty now and like one of the main sponsors on it is um alonso's clothing company yeah i imagine if that car with its new renault engine turns out to be good the sponsors will start flooding back i imagine yeah, either that or maybe there is something in the works that they're just keeping quiet for now until the deal's yeah, done. Yeah, potentially. Um, but it's not an uncommon thing for McLaren over the last couple of years to be short of no. a title sponsor, is it? So, Pretty much since Vodafone jumped ship, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then finally we had Force India, who had the sort of boring pit lane launch. Um all a bit underwhelming, honestly. Like they've they've kept it pink, but they've sort of got rid of those water bubbles that were on it last year. And there's some more white on there. I don't know. It doesn't do a lot for me this year. The Force India. I think that as much as we grew to like the pink Force India last year, they've somehow managed to make it not look as good. And it's partly because they've put big white patches all over it. Yeah. The whites, I don't know what it is, but something in my head when I see all these big white blobs and stripes on it and everything that are in the bodywork, it just, I don't know, it just looks weird. Yeah, doesn't do it for me. No. Um, They did, we were expecting a name change from them, but they did launch it as the new Force India. There's still kind of rumblings that they're going to have a new name before Melbourne. Um, But then again, we've been saying that for about six months now, I think. Yeah. So, who knows what they'll be called come Melbourne. Um, but yeah, that's that was launched on the first day of testing, so I guess we'll get into testing, which was a very wet, grey week, all in all. We used to kind of them all flying off to Barcelona and testing in lovely sunshine. Uh, and that wasn't to be. I guess kind of the same reason that uh, here in England we've been snowed under for the last week. Yeah. So... Day one, McLaren sadly started with issues immediately. Um, 
not engine issues this time. Uh, it was a wheel nut failure on Alonso's car that uh, pitched him off at the final turn. Uh, his wheel came flying off. There's actually photos of Alonso walking back to the garage with this severed wheel nut just in his hand. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Toro Rosso, with their new Honda engines, did 93 laps on day one, the most of anybody, which is incredibly impressive given that given where Honda have been for the last few years, the fact that yeah. they have got... If I don't think they had a failure for the entire four days of the test. I don't think there were, there were any considerable issues. Not really. Really, were they? Um, not from a um, power unit perspective, anyway. No. Which I guess four years into a uh, new engine formula, you kind of expect it at this point. Yeah, it comes... Back down to conversations we've had previously in the lead up to this year, which is, you know, they they get into the diminishing returns of how much more they can eke out of the yeah. engine per year with with time. So, plus the fact that they need to be um, using only three engines for the whole season now, which is why yes. Renault basically said they've pretty much put everything into reliability over performance, at least for now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of Renault, uh, Red Bull, well, well, Red Bull with their rebadged Renault, um, were the only team to do more than a hundred laps on day one. Uh, Ricardo had fastest lap, uh, on a sort of progressively damp and gloomy day. He did a 120.1. That bad weather sort of carried over into day two. There was pretty limited running all day. Uh, even more issues for McLaren. This time it was a exhaust clip that failed, which meant, um, the exhaust was overheating, wiring looms and various parts inside the car. Uh, Eric Boulier said it was a two-pound problem, this exhaust clip that failed, which cost them sort of half a day's running, which is a shame. It's a bit more than a two-pound problem when it happens during a race and then they lose points and then they're further down exactly, the constructors' yeah. championship, though, isn't it? At least it's happening now. True, but the thing that concerns me a little bit about that, I know it's, it's maybe reading a bit too much into it, but... They're the kind of things that you'd expect better than from McLaren. You'd think so, yeah. It's These seem to be silly little problems that no one else really had. Then yeah. again, I mean, a lot of other teams spent hefty time in the garage. You maybe didn't hear exactly what their problems were, but there we go. Yeah. Um, we had a couple of red flags throughout the day. Um, the clerk and Magnussen both had trips into the gravel. Uh, the clerk beached it at turn two, I think it was. Uh, Magnussen sort of barreled across the gravel at turn three and was very lucky to keep it out of the barriers. Yes. Yeah. Um, Just lost the back end, didn't he, on that one? Yeah. It was so slippery, though, for a lot of day two. Yeah. Um, Vettel finished fastest on day two and with the most laps, managed 119.6 on day two. Um, McLaren, interestingly, were doing a lot of running on the new Hypersoft tyre, which most teams didn't seem to touch all that much throughout the test, but that helped Van Dorn get to third fastest. Interest, like, are they using that to try and get headline times or are they just trying to get some data on the new tyre? Hard to tell. Could they be in a scenario where um, they're light on the tyres? We've seen this from Mercedes, I think, most keenly in recent years, where the car was good on its tyres, 
but it meant that they struggled on harder compounds and in colder weather because it was nimble on tyres, meaning it was difficult to keep them at temperature in cooler conditions. That's true. I mean, they were pushing freezing for a lot of the air. Uh... Yeah, a lot of the time testing there, so I guess that makes sense. Or, or could it also just be the fact that because it was that cold, they weren't taking any chances with softer compounds and having a K Mag style incident where yeah. you know the car just lets go because it just loses the limit. Also of true. I mean, we saw from that McLaren documentary we talked about last week, the week before, just how limited on parts they are at this point in the season. Yeah, like if you go off and break something, that might be the only version of that part you've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to day three, we went from cold and rainy to snowy. Um, the whole whole track was basically surrounded by snow, which caused a three-hour delay to the start of testing, um, mostly because of the medical helicopter not being able to take off. But even when they did uh, open the track, nobody went out. Uh, most teams said it's kind of pointless us going out in this weather. It's only sort of putting the car at risk, and they're not going to get much useful stuff. Um, I think only five cars went out across the whole day, um, managing a total of 17 laps between them, um, which is not great when you've only got very limited pre-season testing. Um, not at all. Not great at all. Uh, Alonso was the only person to set a lap time. He did a whole blistering 218.5. Top um, of the board, he, though. Yeah, he, he tweeted a picture of the timing screen at lunchtime, which showed him being the only person to do one lap and said, car performing well in the snow so far, P1 in the morning session. Um, <laughs> then at the end of the day, he said, uh, car also competitive in wet, P1 in the afternoon and more laps than anyone. <laughs> that been a total of about five laps to everyone else who's like one or two, I think. Um, but yeah, basically a whole day of testing lost, um, which when you've only got eight days of pre-season testing is not great. Um, it was sort of, a lot of people started saying, well, why don't we go to somewhere like Bahrain for pre-season testing where you're pretty much guaranteed sort of more representative weather but then I guess the downside to that is you can't just fly apart out overnight it's a lot further to yeah get new bits and bobs yeah it's it's not a, an easy thing to organize really and I don't think it helps that you know over the last number of years notably for us in sort of more northern western Europe the the weather cycle has come to this hasn't it we've started getting quite a lot of wintry weather at this point of the year yeah definitely like and march and april of, yeah france and spain and places like that so although spain doesn't particularly get much snow in that those sort of regions if at all um it's still the weather's getting a lot worse at this point of year so there's a possibility they might have to look at moving it at some point well i saw a few people say why don't they go back to um Hareth, which was like the traditional testing place for a number of years which sort of feels like the best of both worlds. Like you're more likely to get decent weather there, but it's still kind of only a a short flight away. Yeah. Or even like south of France, like Port Ricard or something. I wonder what the the reason is for for using Catalonia over Hereth. Because yeah, it, I just it thought it'd be like a go to testing track, doesn't it? Yeah, I thought it'd be more interesting to use something that's not on the calendar. But yeah. then it's also, I guess, a little harder to work out how representative it is. Like, we can compare these times to what they've done in the sessions last year and the testing last year as well. Yeah, true. So, I guess it makes it a little more relative what you're seeing them doing. Even though 
everyone always agrees that testing means nothing. Yeah, you always have to caveat <laughs> this with, but it means nothing. Yeah. Um. So day four started off wet yet again, but it got progressively drier as the day went on. So we actually had quite a lot of running. Um, Verstappen, who'd sort of through a combination of the weather and car issues and just the schedule of him and Ricardo in the car, had had really limited mileage all week, finally managed to get out and immediately beached his Red Bull in the gravel. Um, so he only actually managed 35 laps all day. Um, I think he was pretty low down on the sort of laps completed per driver list, which is not great for him. Mm. Um, Hamilton sort of late on in the day set down a bit of a marker. He did a 119.3 on medium tyres, which was faster than Vettel managed on day two on softs and Van Dorn on hyper softs. So the Mercedes looks fairly quick again, I think we can say. Um, Torosso did the most laps of anyone across the four days on 326 um, you can compare that to 425 from McLaren last year across the whole eight days which <laughs> just shows how far Honda have come in a year I'm still fairly I'd say adamant is probably the right word but I've, I'm still fairly confident that it's got something to do with McLaren putting restrictions on Honda. I really do. Just because going back to when that partnership first came around, in year one we heard that a lot of the troubles were because McLaren were designing a chassis and they wanted an engine to fit a, a given space and Honda were saying it's not possible to, to fit yeah. what you want, where you want it, as tightly packed as you want it. Um, and then we heard about sort of compromises having to be made in, in the chassis, and the Honda still not performing brilliantly, but maybe because you know it, they're in a weird place of compromise, and then suddenly they go to a team where more than likely you'd you'd say that Honda is saying here's an engine, let's work out how to get it in your car, and the car's being built around the engine. Yeah, you're suddenly getting a little bit more reliability out of it. It certainly seems like a much happier relationship at Toro Rosso than it was. Mm-hmm. The, sorry, Red Bull Toro Rosso Honda, as we have to call them. Yep. Now. Um And like honestly, even if that Honda turns out to be fast and reliable this year, I still think McLaren made the right move because that relationship was just kind of broken. Yeah, wasn't it was it? just too soured because of all the issues from the previous years. It yeah. was. It had run its course, really. It was it was something that it wasn't worth keeping them together for any yeah, reason, totally. even if the engine did start to come good. I think that the relationship was too soured, as I say. And yeah, totally. I think Renault's probably the right team to have gone to um, because I'd, I doubt Mercedes would have given them a new engine and I don't think Ferrari would have wanted to give, them, give one of their no, not at all. legacy rivals an engine. But Renault seems to work in the sense ju- just that the way that McLaren seems to want to package the rear end of the car these days is very much in line with the way that Red Bull like to package the rear end of the car. So it's a scenario that the Renault probably already works in fairly well. Yeah. Um, yes, that sort of brings us to the end of the first test. Um, as I said, the second test will have started by the time we're listening to this. Um uh, there's an awful lot of testing that they're going to want to get into these four days to make up for the first one. 
the good news is it looks like other than a small chance of rain on Tuesday, it's going to be sunny for the yeah. whole week. So we should actually get a full four days of testing. Um, and that'll be the last we see of the cars until Melbourne, which is uh, getting ever closer. Yep. Can't wait. Excited. Uh, a little bit of news that came out in the last week. Um, Formula One are launching their own subscription service uh, to watch live Grand Prix. Um, it's called F1 TV. Um, and it's essentially a live stream of the races that you don't need a TV subscription to go through. Uh, I think it's going to be like a, a tablet app and a web service. Um it's going to be commercial-free, um, different streams. Uh, you can sort of choose between cameras. You can choose between all 20 onboard cameras in all sessions whenever you want to. It's got multi-language commentary. Uh, it's going to have unique camera feeds that you can't get anywhere else. Um, the demo video showed things like you could choose two drivers from the list during the race, and it'll put their onboards kind of side-by-side side, so you kind of tailor your own viewing as it goes. Um covers all sessions and all the support races uh they said it's going to be offered on a monthly basis for between eight and twelve dollars a month i think and then annual rates as yep. well um lifetiming full commentary yeah it all looks it looks very cool um and it's really interesting that they're going into they're essentially circumventing needing contracts with tv companies which has kind of always been the way they've worked up until this point yeah, I'm. I'm not sure how it plays out in other countries, but for the UK, which ironically it's not available in, which is quite possible yep. one of the sport's biggest markets. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, over here, we we are heading towards a status of a chargeable sports brand TV brand being the sole um distributors of f1's content in the very near yeah. future in fact i believe it's as soon as next season isn't it yep so we've got channel four love hearth races this year then 2019 until 2024 sky have exclusive rights so five years so every race will be on sky sports Having and nowhere else sky sports yep. so yeah it'd be really interesting to see what happens towards the end of that agreement i think yeah, so the they did announce the list of countries that it's going to be available in from the start of this season. It included uh, Germany, France, USA, Mexico, Belgium, Austria, Hungary, and much of Latin America. Uh, I thought Germany and France were interesting additions there because they've traditionally been sort of... Um, they've I think they've both had a similar situation to the UK where it's always been on free to air but it's kind of starting to disappear behind paywalls as time yeah I think G- Germany have their own equivalent of Sky don't they I think Sky Germany have at least a percentage of the races exclusively if not all of them now um, yeah but perhaps not yes who Martin Brundle Tanya likes to uh, bump into every now and again Sky Sports Germany I believe mm. And I think I think Italy is another country that's got yeah. Sky Sports based coverage for the F. Well, I think they actually have exclusive. If I'm right in Italy, and Italy's not on the list, so um, USA is an interesting one as well. Um, a market they're very much keen on expanding into. I had a feeling that as soon as I saw both this service and then the fact that 
the initial pricing was given out in dollars, yeah. the the cogs in my head instantly started turning and coming up with an answer of, well, this is to try and push it Absolutely, to the American yeah. market. <laughs> it just it has that sort of feel to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously there's a big push in the South American markets. I, again, I don't know what TV coverage is like for them, but we know that they are huge motorsport fans yeah. and very passionate ones at that. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with the being talk of an Argentinian Grand Prix coming back within the next few years as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, so obviously off the back of this, as you said, like the UK is one of the biggest markets for F1 and it wasn't on the list. And there was quite a lot of quite loud backlash about the fact that we're not getting this because Sky have a horrible contract to uh, hold on to it all. Um, a day or two afterwards, uh, Sky announced a new... Uh, package for uh, Now TV, which is their online streaming service, where essentially you can like pay for short-term passes to certain Sky channels. They're having a new F1 season pass, which actually gives you access to all Sky Sports channels, not just Sky F1, uh, for all nine months of the season for £150, um, which is I mean, it's significantly cheaper than having a full Sky subscription, which you're looking at at least, what, yep. £30 a month, maybe £40 a month? Yeah, you're talking thirty pound a month for the Sky Sports portion plus whatever your base TV package yeah. would be with Sky or Virgin Media or whoever else is with. It's a lot. Um yeah. but even with now TV, if you had bought nine month long passes previously, it would have cost you like pretty much double hundred fifty pounds. If you just bought individual mm-hmm. week passes, it would have cost you over two hundred and fifty pounds to see everything. And even just the day passes that only cover the races would have been well over £150 so it is a hell of a good deal um, if you want to see every race live obviously Channel 4 this season still have half the races live so you can kind of halve some of those values Uh, the only real downsides are that they're still only streaming 720p not full HD which is a shame, Um, I think Sky Sports you can get 4k now can't you so it seems a little Uh, bit backwards yeah you can can watch it on the Sky Sports channels if you buy the HD yeah. package. Yeah. Um, also, you have to watch it live. There's no like on demand. Although Sky F1 do just show repeats of stuff pretty much constantly when they're not live. So you've yeah. still got options. Um, this is only a limited time thing. I think it's the 25th of March this uh, offer ends. But if you're in the UK, I think it's well worth looking into if watching all the races live is a thing you want to do um i've already signed up for it i know you were looking at doing it as well tom yeah so um especially as we were sort of chatting like we're all in a position where we would pretty much be subscribing to something like sky or virgin for f1 because we have no interest in all the other garbage that they put on there so this is definitely a much cheaper way of doing it um see yeah it's nice to see a bit of competition in the market and not just Sky saying we are the only place that have it and it's going to cost you this much money whether you like it or not. I wonder, a part of me wonders if there is some clause and agreement in the contract somewhere that, you know, somebody previously has worked in sneakily. Um, yeah. Obviously, I mean... Sky wouldn't be stupid enough to just fall for something, but what I mean is, you know, they've said, should F1 decide to produce its own channel, the, 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 you know, this kind of agreement must take place, and so on and so forth. And to be fair, at Sky, you're going to think, yeah, when's Bernie Eccleston ever going to do that? But now, <laughs> no more Bernie. <laughs> Who, well, by the still way, keeps... 
I just, yeah, I was just about to say it. He keeps Still trying sticking to throw his oar things in. in. Um, one of which, interestingly, was um, Formula One should consider electric engines in the next two years or something to that effect. <laughs> which is like, Bernie, just go away. Did, and didn't Bernie spend the last several years saying how that was not the direction we wanted to go in and how much he hated even having hybrid engines, let alone electric engines? Yep. And he, he I'm pretty sure there's a quote somewhere of him saying... Formula E is the electric side of racing. Where Formula One, where we use petrol engines. Yeah. And it's like, okay. But there we go. Crazy um, little old men for you. In other Liberty Media doing weird new stuff news, um, F1 have hired composer Brian Taylor to write a new Formula One theme. Um, you've actually, You might not have heard of him, but you've probably heard his music. He wrote for a lot of the Fast and the Furious films, he did Avengers Age of Ultron, uh, Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, video game people among you will have heard it in Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Far Cry 3, Modern Warfare 3. Yeah. So he's sort of a pretty prolific composer. Um, some would say a lot of his music sounds very samey, maybe. Um, Especially I, his film themes, but... Um, I'm see. From a personal point of view, being a gamer, as soon as you t- I asked you who it was and you told me it was Brian Tyler, I pretty much said to you straight away, I'm pretty sure that's the guy from Black Flag and Far Cry. <laughs> and then I went and looked in my library of many video game soundtracks and found that it is the guy. And I listen to some stuff like that quite a lot, quite regular. So I'm personally quite interested to see what he comes maybe up with. Maybe his game stuff's a bit more diverse and his film stuff then because I know I saw like someone comparing his basically all of his um, Marvel stuff sounds pretty much the same but maybe that's by design I don't know yeah. but anyway it's he's, he's writing the Formula 1 theme and he tweeted a picture of kind of him working on the sheet music and then a picture of him I think in Abbey Road recording with the um, London Philharmonic Orchestra um, it's not exactly clear what the music is going to be for um, we're thinking it maybe is going to replace that little theme that like went along with the old logo just before the start of the race, like when the world feed started. Um, I, I guess they'll use it in all marketing and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, there's they've sort of been talking about music a lot, and I think a lot of people are worried they're going to go down the Formula E route of actually having music kind of integrated into the whole show. Which, to be fair, Formula E have kind of pulled away from a little bit in the last couple of seasons. They've turned it I down they still quite have... a lot in FE, haven't they? Yeah, they still have the kind of music leading up to the start of the race and they still have the kind of music that plays over the highlights during the safety car and stuff. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people online sort of pre-complaining about the fact they're going to have new music during things. But um, People pre-complain about everything though, don't they? People are essentially complaining about a piece of music they've not heard yet, which is, you know, yeah. <laughs> there we go. As, as long as they don't go over the top with it, though, I think it it could be interesting. Yeah, but it's for all we know. It's like an it's like having the chain, like what you know, terrestrial TV in Britain's had. Yeah, it might that mean that may mean nothing to anyone outside the UK. But Fleetwood's "The Chain" is synonymous with being the song of Formula One here in Britain mm. for from you know what the late seventies, early eighties, something like that. It was, wasn't it? Like it's always. Uh, I should know that. 
It's all. It's always it's one been of my favorite albums of yeah. all time. But I can't. It's always that. been there, but like it could just be that equivalent of a theme tune for the telev- televised program for what's going to be on the app, and it's just something that's on at the beginning. Exactly the same mm. as Sky Sports here in the UK use um, that Just Drive song that's yeah a few years old now. Alistair Griffin, I think his name is. But yeah, it's just it could just be an intro song. I think it's it kind of is all about the sort of identity they're kind of building for F one, especially now it's like they've embraced Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and all this stuff. I think it's just kind of all gonna exist there as sort of part of the identity and branding of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, well, it's like remember all the backlash when they said they were changing the logo and people lost their minds with the new logo. No one's mentioned the new logo in months. Like you, you it is what it is, and everyone moves on. And I'm sure it'll be the same with this. If I'm completely honest. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll see at the uh, first Grand Prix, which is not that long away at all now. Itching to get back to it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of all we've got this week. There's um, sort of in that mid-test period. Um, so I'm sure we'll return again after the second test to sort of wrap up everything that's happened there. Yeah, hopefully Stu will be back. Yeah, hopefully. Unless he has another like last minute holiday again. And they say people in Formula One don't get holidays over the winter. But... I know, right? <laughs> Stu putting them to shame. <laughs> uh and I think that'll probably do us this week then. Um just a reminder that we are now available on Spotify. Uh as well as everybody everywhere else you'll find good podcasts and bad podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Which are you bracketing yourselves? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we'll let people actually. Yeah, we'll let you decide, and you can give us a rating or review if we fit into the former category, please. Yeah. <laughs> if you think we're in the second category, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> you can also find us on all the social media type things. Uh, we're on Twitter at Back of the Grid F One, Facebook just search Back of the Grid, and Instagram at Back of the Grid. Um, Give us likes and shares and favourites and all that business on there, if you'd be so kind. Uh, we're also on backofthegrid.com, uh, where you will find the aforementioned uh, livery ranking thing that we did. Um, and hopefully some exciting new changes in the coming weeks. Yes. Putting you on the spot there, Tom. <laughs> As I go through my pre-season testing <laughs> <laughs> of a website. Ready to launch <laughs> later in March. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, Tom is at TomKing89 and I am at TNM Chris. And I think that'll do us. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>